want. Listen to me. We've all been deceived. We need to calmly head towards the exit. Welcome to the Banana Bread and Circus Republic with Crispy and Tono. Your hosts for the end of the world or whatever we're looking at. We're looking at the reset. Yeah, it's uh, we're gonna be fine, ladies and gentlemen. So strap in and join us to recalibrate the soul as we explore the ether and ethics of our evolution. In the space between spaces, there's an intelligence that guides our values and our judgments, which determines who we are, what we're doing, and where we're going. Follow your nose and think for yourself. Yeah, this is the one me and Tommy did. And That's so a real hard hit an apple vibe. Yeah, dude. Apple, very apple forward. What'd you do differently in this one compared to yours? Different apples mostly. Um It was around the time when I caught on that I could infuse the liquid, the finished aged product in um, what it was being aged in, whether it's a carboy or a tank, uh, infuse it with oak slabs. Yeah, okay. And so it's the first of its kind for that particular batch of apples, if that makes sense. Oak infused with its own particular uh, apple batch. Yeah, its own unique um, combination of apples that we processed into juice and Fermented the juice. Did that one in October 2021 was when we pressed that. So it's it's two years old, officially. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on where you're setting the mark for how you're counting how old it is. Because technically it's not, it doesn't start aging until it's finished fermentation. Which was like 30 days after. Speaking of finish, that's got a really smooth finish to it. Yeah, I like the finish. It's actually nice. It's, um, and I think part of that's coming through in the oak, actually, like Like that little vanilla, but it just slides. Yeah. Right off. Yeah. 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 Cause some of the ones that you won't do in oak almost have like a flatness to them. So I think that's going to be the protocol from now on. Like that dryness, the flatness, is that what you're referring to? Like, as the flatness is in, like, yeah, just because one of the things tannin provides is it almost it's like sandpaper on your tongue. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on the, the constituency, like the, the makeup of it and all of that, like it can be like, whoa, those are really harsh tannins, but then you'll, you'll feel like there's like that softness to them that's like, no, they have character. Now it gives it like a little more doesn't give it more texture but it gives it more of a you know like doesn't like dry your mouth out like crazy like sandpaper as, but the, fin- has, as the finish comes through more yeah. right exactly yeah. yeah which i'm not at all a expert in any of that stuff like no, the sommelier description nor am i no yeah your wife seems to be 
very live alive in that department though, which is pretty cool. Yeah, no, she could she could probably take you know it wouldn't take much studying for her to uh take her first sommelier test. Yeah. Yeah, that was a lot of fun going to that wine and food fest. Rhinebeck. If I finally got the fine name of it. Yeah. Yeah. Took me. Yeah. What, what, uh, what restaurant did you guys go to after? Uh, I can't actually remember the name of it. That's okay. But my wife is, you know, a hyper foodie. So, you know, she, she typed in, you know, what's the best, you know, food slash cocktail place and yeah wasn't the best gin and tonic i've ever had it was definitely the strongest gin and tonic i've ever had though which didn't make it the worst gin and tonic i've ever had but yeah the food was incredible Mm. yeah sweet but i do not remember the name of the place was it like a more classy place or was this more like you know a restaurant pub place no, it was classier than that, yeah. Sweet. I mean, you know, casual, but casual fine dining, I guess is what you'd call it. Nice. You know, kind of yeah. like the new hen down here. I was going to say, yeah, I haven't very, been to the new very hen. Very similar to that. But, yeah, that sounds amazing. Because, hey. Uh, we should all go one night. Yeah, dude, I was just thinking that. But yeah. also, I was curious, like, the ownership, because they started, like, you know, when they bought ProPig and when they started uh, Doc Ponds and all that and Stowe, I've always appreciated- They're great. That ownership. The that, guy's the yeah. guy's awesome as far as I can tell. Yeah. No. It's nice to have that. So, like, like my wife's worked with him for a couple of years now and, like, out of all the people in the industry that are bosses, he's- what I can tell, like one of the more stand up, straightforward, fucking brass tacks, but you know, good, good basics too, you know. Mm. And he's, he's been through a lot just since he bought one of those businesses, you know, like, yeah, like just in this past year, but even before that. Mm. He's a smart dude. He cares about his good employees. His bad employees fucking kick kick rocks if you guys want, you know. Like, and that's that's kind of how you need to be, you know. Like, you don't want bad employees, you know. And right. Like, the more you can infill your your organization with good employees, the less room there is for bad ones. And when you hire on, like, there's certain standards and people either jive or they don't and it's kind of a self-sustaining organism at that point mm-hmm. yeah it's got to be tough because no matter what there's always going to be that that social dynamic this like invisible mold of this field that kind of pre-designates these roles that people end up just sort of like like just kind of like getting cushed into you mm-hmm. know just like uh you know how like there's like the 90-10 rule or the 80-20 rule and that, that sort of thing where a certain percentage of people are going to be fuck-offs and then yep, a certain percentage right. are going to be just like hardcore, 
like involved great and hyper focused in their job you know, great, maybe great at what they do yeah yeah even and, if they don't know it when they show up they they pick it up quick and they apply mm-hmm. it quick and yeah which can also bleed into those strengths uh over time unveil like really galvanized weaknesses too um but that's again that's part of that individual process of getting out there taking a risk working hard you're gonna regardless you're gonna yeah you're gonna find something that you're passionate about and you're gonna if you are a passionate person you're gonna like the work is gonna be meaningful to you and so on and so forth but meanwhile what i'm referring to is like then there are certain unresolved areas or areas in your life as a skill set that's going to be pulling you away from attending to those things too whether it's specific set of skills um, social skills or um, the ability to like be you know very attention to detail like the more you get better in this other thing the less that you might actually end up having um, part of your character your workmanship um, and sportsmanship and all the everything else um sorry that's like a long way of going about like well, no, Leo. It makes sense, though. Yeah, because I, I see the world as like we're we're all kind of autistic in our own way, which means there is that there is that eighty you know twenty rule where twenty percent of your being is high is it feels like it's cons- all consuming it, but from other people's perspective, it's like no, like the less general things are under that microscope or stethoscope. It's like, yeah, most, you know, like what you called shadow symptoms, you know, most, mm. most people have a couple and the same is, you know, can be said for like dyslexia, you know, dyslexia is like one of the biggest quote unquote learning disabilities there is. And like everybody's got one or two, you know, dyslexic traits just unfortunately some people have almost all of them you know and yeah at that point that does make it hard yeah like you know you and i we might have a couple autistic traits most people have a couple autistic traits you know like i wipe my ass in a very specific (laughs) manner and (laughs) i'm not ashamed to admit it but i have a very clean asshole yeah so well, you, yeah, because you I'm spent however long hardwiring uh, those uh, pathways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, and yeah, it took a lot of years and mm-hmm. figuring out that formula. Mm-hmm. Created an implicit knowledge base. You basically right. You you wipe until there's more blood than poop, and you know you're done. <laughs> right. Certain thresholds, certain sensory overloads. You've been in there for half an hour, people are yelling at you. <laughs> You're like, no, I was done shitting fucking 25 minutes ago. I'd just been wiping. Mm. Yeah. I'm brave to admit it. I'm brave enough to admit that I get most of my reading done in the can. That's why they call it the office. Yeah. Mm. Do some thinking. Deep it's dive. Working, it's the working man's office. Yeah. Right. I never like to admit that sometimes because it makes it seem first of all it's it's weird it's quirky but it's also like it almost makes it seem like 
the book that you're reading, it's like some toilet read or whatever, because most people leave magazines and shit in that room. Well, also, you know, like people don't take into account that maybe you're just trying to let the stragglers, you know, get to the end of the line and, you know, make their way through before you got to pull over and make another stop later. You know, like picture it like a subway. You know, it's like, hey, last aboard. Come on. Come on. It's like, you know, give them enough time. Then you got you got some people waiting at the 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 train stop. And before you know it, that's starting to ruin your day. <laughs> like nothing better than an empty colon. God damn. So nice. It is pretty glorious. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I do whatever I can to stay on top of that, but it doesn't always work out. No, it sucks. No. It makes you appreciate it even more when it happens. Have you fig- right Have you figured out your ideal diet for yourself? Kind of at this point. Kind of, yeah. I'll, I'll deviate from it sure. too sure. often. Like it's like a weird, like toxic, self-destructive, self-sabotage yeah. type thing. Yeah, you get cravings. You you get nostalgic with food. You yeah. get an impulse buy or something. Mm-hmm. You gorge. You yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Go to, the, to go to the movies and, you know, get a shit ton of shit food and priorities are never set in stone, apparently. You know? Like they change priorities are. But your approaches to them or or your your practice to them, yeah. You can it's just like yeah, working I mean, out. Well, like priorities in the sense that like if it were a true priority, it would have it would have happened. It would have it would have prioritized it, right? would have focused more heavily on getting this other thing done. Um, so I don't know. It's, I know what you're saying though. That's, that makes sense to me as well. The question is, are you conscious enough? Are you aware enough? Are you, uh, able to sort of have that foresight of, and that wisdom of, okay, this didn't work out for me last time because of this. It's like saying like, oh, I'll never drink again when you wake up and you had a bad hangover. <laughs> How many of us have thought of, you know, a drink or whatever, how many days later? It just doesn't become a priority anymore to f- fixate so wholeheartedly on, I never want to have a hangover again, you know? Like who, at least I don't, just like I'll I'll feel like crap the next day and absolutely not want to even look at it. You know, that conditioned aversion. I I think I was like 27 before I had my first hangover. And that's not for a lack of drinking. It's just because I had me- metabolically a natural aversion towards having a hangover. Like, I'd wake up still drunk, but I wouldn't wake up hungover. You know? Mm-hmm. And, like, I remember, like, the first two, it was just like, Holy shit, this is what people are talking about. But it, you know, took years before I got that. Yeah. That way. I was definitely in my mid-20s, but it wasn't as late as 27. I was like, I had been dating um, Jocelyn for at least a couple years. But she always had the best hangover cures that always seemed to work for me. It was great. So by the time I really did have, <laughs> yeah, well, 
Shout out to her. Kudos to her, you know? I mean, I she, you know. Write a book, Jocelyn. <laughs> She's right about most things, scarily so. No, I'm serious. Write a book. Write a book about that. Yeah. Well. Or just about. Yeah, I mean, if if, he, if she could fill up a whole book of it, but. I, I mean, know, just, most of the conversations we've had as married men, we could make an entire podcast about married, like being married, a guy. In our age bracket, like in this day and age, man, like there are certain things, like the divorce rate's ridiculous. Well, right. And because of that, like we're, we're both in our first decade of marriage. So yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want exactly. to go give, giving, go around giving marital advice. I hear you, you know? man. I like, hear you. And that's why I'm like, it's kind of like a funny afterthought because, but every time we talk about, some conflict or some marriage issue that we're having, which is like somewhat a constant, you know, <laughs> like there's well, always going to be that. If you're married, yeah, if you're married I mean, there's, it's all, it's coming. Like you got to be trained in, in like a majorly sophisticated method of how to not open your mouth. The marriages like before, right. The marriages where there's no discourse, where there's no arguments, where there's no, like those aren't the healthy marriages. Those are the those are the abusive ones. You know, like one of those two people is afraid of getting hit if they speak out a lot. You know, that's yeah. why that is. You know, if where if, you have if, a lot of suppression and oppression, right? If people if people are equal in their relationship with each other and they see that eye to eye, there's not a lot of room for abuse at that point. You know, right. like there's. Hopefully there's mutual respect and hopefully there's, you know, room for each to be heard out, you know, so. Yeah, it's almost too simple to really fully put it into practice because so much is going on where there's all these, there's all this baggage, there's all these. You know, I'm going to use the word triggers just because I don't know how else to put it. But I fucking hate that word. I know, I know. And I don't like it either, but for me, there are. Like, that's why I so appreciated the podcast you recommended for me recently, episode 62 of the Sean Ryan show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, they touch on, like what we talked about last week, last segment on the Monroe Institute and consciousness studies and things like that. And they get into like AI and all this really cool shit. But one of the coolest takeaways that I got from that episode was like 40 minutes in something like that, where they talked about the guest. I forget his name. Sean Webb. Sean Webb. I knew it had the first name, same first name, but Sean Webb talks about um, building a whole new, uh, recharting a whole new self map. He called it. And it's a whole new way to, perceive the way like the heartstrings that are pulled like the emotions that are again triggering for any individual who gets triggered it's because it's there's an emotional charge there but it's 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 gateway is through the mind and the mind will associate a negative response and constantly have that loop and that that gravitational pull where yeah, it is an emotional charge. Quite literally, it's a magnetic force that's being drawn in and you're getting sucked into it. But what he's talking about is a way to kind of disassociate with that for just a moment enough to observe and 
find a way to appreciate a new way of making that charge available. So it could be a charge of frustration, but then there's, you know, again, he's, he almost talked about the stuff that I've been mentioning for a while um, in my work about like where you start with acceptance. Right. And that's, I think that's what, what brought, you know, Sean Ryan and being like, have you heard of, you know, Greg Braden's work? And, you know, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Like, like I said, you know, I was listening to that. Oh, that was just my feet. Those, I was listening to that episode and I was like, man, I give it like 20 minutes before one of these guys mentions Greg Braden. And, <laughs> yeah, that's and, when you referred the show to me, too. Uh, yeah, and right? sure as shit, like uh, Sean Ryan mentioned him, and I was just pulling into my driveway, and I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. Because like, I don't call that's people awesome. if I'm on the road unless it's an emergency. So fuck you, Popo. Fucking. That was great. I loved getting that phone call from you. That was uh, good timing. So it's moments of synchronicity for sure. Um, yeah, keeps things interesting. And um, I know we started, um, well, we started this conversation on a whole different note. And there was a point I wanted to come back to about like that um, being a good business owner, being a good, being good to your employees, you know, sort of positive, knowing the balance between positive and negative reinforcement for your teams. Um, and I think part of that, just to close, come back to that real quick, is like building a really strong team. You need to rely on your instincts. And I think a big part of that self-map is knowing who to trust, right? Knowing who potentially, like, because again, people are going to pull at your strings, right? So it's this idea of being manipulated and being vulnerable um, in the process of trying to be the best self that you possibly can. Um, cause there are ways, there are things that will get in the way and there are things that will sort of, uh, you know, get on your nerves. Um, at least, I mean, for me, I can only really speak from personal experience. Um, but, um, speaking of synchronicity, I had a really, successful tremendous and the only reason i can call it successful is because of how it felt by the end was the audience that showed up for my level two heart math workshop um on friday a day after we saw i each was other. meaning to ask you about how that went dude yeah. it was it was great yeah it was great it kind of speaks to this topic that we're talking about right like it was kind of amazing to have such a sense of relief from all the stress and all the preparation, all of the anticipation, all of the, I really want to, I care about this thing. I want to do a good job of it. When the process of like relearning it again and going through the rhythms, it's like, it was like recalibrating my compass for my soul compass for what really Matt, like, why am I so involved in this work? Like, why do I care so much? And so it was really a great healing uh, for me at least. And I hope the audience got a lot. The audience seemed to really engage and get a lot out of it. I didn't even get through all the material because we were so, uh, sort of drawn into the conversations that happened. It was really 
engaged and, awesome. en- and engrossed at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. It was like going through all of the trial and error of like going through the level one process and trying to certify up to like, I don't know, a dozen people was my number, discounting all the mandatory groups that I had already done this for because of the managers that took it who oversaw it, the programs where their staff were working in those programs. They recommended that I do it at a mandatory training day thing because they knew everyone would be in one room and could receive this in some capacity so is there but is there a mandatory number of people you're supposed to certify like per no no not really no that's the thing i don't want to make it mandatory right yeah no no the i'm not talking about like you not me but even the the organization like they it's kind of weird they're kind of putting us through all these other trainings where what I'm teaching feels like, at least for me, I can only, again, I can only speak from personal experience, way more potent. The stuff that I've learned and the things that I'm offering feels so much more potent than some of the other stuff that they'll put us through. And it feels really, I can't help but feel insulted, <laughs> right? Because it's like, you guys don't even really, like, I've tapped, I've, I swear, I've, I've uncovered this thing that is so precious and so intoxicatingly powerful um that they're they're like no one's really like no one respond like only so many people will reply and accept the appointment when i send these infights but the fact is i don't want to make it so like i have to get hr involved and no 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 that's not what i meant by mandatory no 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 but you know what i mean though right yeah no. So there's that balance. And so I meant they as far as like certifies. Yeah. I, I don't even really give like a certify you in this, right, right? right? I don't really even give that out. It's just these workshops, here's what they're about. And I fully appreciate those that take the time to actually attend and make it meaningful to them. Like th- that's where the real work happens. That's where the real magic happens. And so- Going through the painstaking process of level one and where no one's really knowing about this, all of a sudden there was this wave of interest in level two. And so before, level two came. Before we get too far into this for our listeners that haven't maybe heard about it, we're talking about. Thank you. Yeah. Getting it far, far ahead of myself. Greg there. Braden's heart math. Right. Um, Greg Braden, just to qualify that. He ta- he refers to heart math. He's not affiliated with them in any way. Actually, okay. um, he'll di- he'll 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 claim that he'll he'll disclose that right out of the gate. But he's been familiarized with their with the institute re- uh, research institute, the organization oh, okay. since its inception. He's actually really good friends with the executives there, especially the doc the director of uh, that's, research. That's where my confusion comes yeah. in. Okay, and the director of research is great too. Like. Dr. Roland McCready, if you YouTube him or YouTube HeartMath, he'll he's right there at the front lines. He's been part of the organization. Really, most of them have been part of the organization since its birth. Um established in ninety one there. So thirtieth anniversary was just a couple of years ago. Ninety one hizzy. Kind of weird that it's been thirty Go for. years. But yeah, anyway. Um good times. It felt it felt great. Um the level two because people were so it was so well received and it was like the um that anticipation of um whether or not it would go well sort of like dissolved right before my eyes 
Um, and I was able to kind of like unshell something much, much deeper. And it was really powerful for me, actually. Like going through that was, it was just really healing. Like I was able to kind of, okay, now I feel even more confident in myself, not just in teaching this stuff, but just in life. It was really, really powerful. Yeah. Thanks for letting me share that. I, no, no. That was. Thank you. Yeah. I would love to actually offer it in some capacity for our listeners and you and for our just general audience of like to really get something out of it. I don't know if we should think of like doing a segment on it, specifically that and like recording like a specific uh, sound bite that's like maybe five minutes long and we insert it in certain places or what? Or but, maybe set up some links in the episode that would allow you know people or you know at the end of the episode we can you know put out some links that's a good idea that would, uh, you know since it's not a visual episode but uh if you're in the central vermont area and you're looking for a special souvenir to take home and share with your friends and neighbors ambient fermentary's got you covered handcrafted from our hives to your glass Ambient Fermentary produces craft batches of honey wine from the heart. As humble participants of a greater community of life, they wanted to offer something simple and refreshing. Most people consider mead to be too sweet. And we agree. Too much of anything produces its counterpart. That's why they brought back the oldest fermented beverage in a bold way. By using the fruits of the world in moderation. In other words, dry meads are their thing. And in this expression in particular, the dry table Melomel, we used fresh cranberries and lemon juice in its primary ferment, bringing fruity and acidic notes to the party that pairs well with almost any home-cooked meal and good company. Enjoy chill. Cheers. Awesome. Yeah, so folks, if you want to, um, just in the description, you'll find uh, a link to the HeartMath Institute um, both their nonprofit page, which is the .org website, or through their corporate page, which is the .com website. But it's um, heartmathinstitute.org. Um, I think it's heartmath.com is the is the link. I'll be more specific in the um, description when I'm able to explore that more specifically. And then it's the heartmath.org. And, and it's interesting because the Institute of HeartMath is the corporation of the HeartMath Institute. So it's there's they they kind of flip-flop those uh yeah, I thought it was weird because when you type in the Institute of HeartMath, you end up getting a lot of the commercialized stuff about it because I mean, even though they have this nonprofit because it's all based on research, their nonprofit is really what it's like the meat and potatoes of their work that they're putting which out one's there. the nonprofit? Nonprofit is the dot org, the uh right. HeartMath Institute. Right. So that's the one probably people should go to. Yeah. Yeah. And check out like that that's where I came that's where I was uh I had the privilege of exploring their education certification programs and things like that. And they have that through their um you know, the Institute of HeartMath dot you know, the HeartMath dot com website, their corporate one. Um but for the most part, you're getting, and you're getting a lot of like really just readily available uh, bits and education 
educational videos and and things like that through their website but it's good to support them one way or another because all their funds go towards the more research in this stuff and they're doing some amazing amazing work really um, so uh you think they have any affiliation with the Monroe Institute I don't know I don't know if we ever get Dr. M- Roland McCready on here we should talk to him about that, that would be an interesting question yeah cuz I think they go hand in hand and I also think things like you know what a lot of schools like medical schools are doing around things like psilocybin research um I think that there's a connection there as well when I had a chance to ask Dr. Roland McCready as the director of research um of the HeartMath Institute over uh I was able to ask him questions about um all this research and one of the things that came to mind I didn't actually ask him this but I wanted to know if there was any correlation with working with people who have certain uh mental health challenges and the research that's being funded and implemented in um microdosing and macrodosing research for folks who have like PTSD, depression, alcoholism and and this is of course the natural route I go when I think of a question like that for somebody um is like there's only one like study or article that I could find through the HeartMath uh Institute's website about uh its correlation with um supporting people with autism because again they're all kind of interconnected in this web of knowledge of self-identity and um, mental health and our sense of insecurity and things like that so um i'm very curious and the fact that there's only one means like the sky's the limit like there's there's so much opportunity for experimentation and um you know trial and error not to obviously like put out there that people should be experimenting with unregulated substances or anything like that but um i think what i'm implying is like actually putting these really quality care practices into motion through the techniques through the heart coherence to facilitate uh cortical facilitation towards um like how do we apply that to things like substance use or things like you know mental health and like how often like how what if what if we were to train you know therapists on these techniques and help give people the tools to then use their discretion with specific patients or clients that could benefit potentially benefit it might put us ahead of the curve yeah yeah, because like, I, I think there's there it's so underexplored. Um, I was meeting with, like, they have these Green Mountain Care Board meetings that I'm an advisory committee member of. And I mentioned the Institute of Heart Math to the, uh, it's, these, it's this contracted firm um, who has been designated with the assignment of their public engagement process so they want to find out what the public what's on their mind 
about around healthcare and things like that. And when they got to the topic of mental health, you know, be it whether it's services, but primarily outcomes, like having solid outcomes, instantly the HeartMath Institute came to mind because all they have are positive outcomes. They have plenty of data for this, um, like before and after data and clinical data and like just overall wellness uh, enhancement data, like just like so much. This stuff goes so deep and you couldn't get more of a direct finger on the button that like it was when I mentioned it, they were like really into it. Like it was nice to like have that kind of reciprocity to that sort of thing. And so I hope that it, things like that, you know, just to spread the word, because so many people haven't heard about this. And it's like, this should be the headline of our times today, because we're living through a time of extremes right now, which is something Greg Braden often talks about. I mean, there's there's a lot of headlines right now, you know, and some of them should be there. Some of them are total distraction, you know. Total and, distraction. And yeah. some of those should be replaced by ones like what you're talking about. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a crazy world that needs healing. You know, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. we're we're species trying to tear ourselves apart, and it doesn't have to be that way. But unfortunately, you know, there's money to be made by keeping us doing it. Yeah, and it could be also, on the other hand, it could also be nature's way of shedding our skin into creating a whole new collective uh body collective organism if you think of like a cocoon of the of a butterfly like in that cocoon there's so much chaos there's so much like intense uh you know all kind it's like shiva where you have like you need the destroyer and the creator sure but you know what's the alternative the only alternative that's being offered up right now is you know Agenda 2030, you know, one world order, you know, total, like, globalist, you know, new world order agenda. Like, that's, if that's the only alternative, I'd rather just stay in the muck that we're in, you know, because at least now we have freedom to move. I'm so glad you said that. So, like, what you just said really pinpoints it for me because... What you have are two sides. You have the status quo, and then you have the quote-unquote progressive, but that progressive change is only it's in the hands pro- of the- It's not progress, that's for no, sure. No, it's definitely not. I'm not using that term in terms right. of progress. Right. I'm using it in terms of its propaganda. Right. So like, it's going to sway anybody listening or anybody clicking that progress is really the progress that they in- they envision for them this for the, the new world that we're going to be in. So it's like- um. It's 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 entirely misleading, but it's also like it plays on the fact that those who do not know themselves well enough, they're going to be swayed in a certain direction because they know where those emotional buttons are. I mean, it's already to the point in Europe where you need an app on your phone to go through the grocery store and figure out what shit has bug protein powder in it and what shit doesn't. Insect protein powder like it's 
already being implemented. Like, yeah, it's already being implemented in so many ways. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's going to be a matter of knowing the difference, right? Being able to know and like how to keep that, like that bullshit detector just more than ever. You got to keep that on, uh, on high alert because that is, and, and there is like, I've been wicked paranoid recently and it's I not feel, a good feeling. But I feel bad for the people who haven't developed theirs yet. You know, younger kids or more naive adults, like there's, there's a decent percentage of adults out there, younger adults and older adults alike that, and chances are the older adults never will develop this, but, you know, the younger ones still have some hope, but yeah, like there's a lot of people out there that do not have that bullshit meter on. And I think besides like just without attaching age to it, I know what you're saying. I know. I absolutely know wisdom age. However yeah. you want to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause age aside in a way, young at heart seems to resonate. I have, I have a few sort of older folks that I've relayed some of this information to in like the workshops and things like that the heart math uh curriculum the specifically the resilience advantage curriculum um you know it's it's kind of like you're really only as young as you feel and it goes back to that part of ourselves that can kind of hit the reset button or we're so eager to hit the reset button that finally something that resonates like you followed enough breadcrumb trails to be like, okay, where's the next? I've been waiting for the next breadcrumb. Where is it? And now you finally have obtained that. And like the mind can't really help but continue to pro- like I'm gonna use the fucking word progress, but well, to upgrade. It's not an to ugly the next, word. It's just been hijacked. It's been hijacked, and that's why I'd like to replace that word in this context with with an actual upgrade, a real revelation, a revelationary uh, conclusion, um, or a resolution for uh, something more essential to our lives. Something more like that really cuts through the chase and uh, bypasses the static, so that we don't get lost along the way. And the old, the older population are actually surprisingly good at that that I've found. Like it's strange. And I know I've only taught a select few, but I found like if you if the right people are willing to accept the information and really recognize like, oh yeah, like the sh- stuff that I've been told about, like whether it's material science or reductionism or the brain is the master organ of the body and so on and so forth. Like all that seems like it's like just more propaganda on top of more propaganda. And now there's this thing that actually, no, actually evidence suggests this right here. And this is why. And it's like, Oh, that makes so much more sense because that's a real experience, right? Perfect example is an intuitive hit, which science discounts material science discounts. Yeah. Yeah. That happens. What is a, uh, what'd you call it? Material hit. Uh, intuitive hit. Intuitive hit. Yeah. Yeah. So it's what kind of a, that? it's a, it's a certain type of energetic sensitivity, which by definition is more translates to a direct way of knowing. 
Um, so anything can be an intuition, an intuition. Yeah. Whether it's like a feeling, a thought, an idea, Some a conclusion. Some people call it their gut. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it's your intuition. It's that that tapping into the consciousness. And instinct over intuition can mean also a more direct like reason for that knowledge if if we put it that way like instinct for something because we have developed the skills necessary to put those up they're co-aligned yeah but yeah. they're and you know you don't have you don't have one that's good without having the other that's decent i don't think but and everybody has them, but most people don't listen to them. They're looking at their phones. They're, they're, you know, thinking about, you know, the next bullshit they want to co-opt into. You know, like they, they're too distracted to think about their instinct or their intuition. Ask themselves, hey, is any of this right? You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's really all it takes. That's all it takes. It's it's a way of being curious and open um, to a different possibility. I think it's that living part of ourselves, a living part of our psyche and our spirit that yearns for. I think that that evolutionary drive, like this, is a that that aspect of ourselves that somehow inherently realizes that this is a journey that that evolutionary drive though used to be subconscious where now it isn't anymore it's it's either fully conscious or it's not there at all you know like i mean you've got people that are altering their embryos mid utero you know like You've got that technology. You've got people that are having designer babies. You've got CRISPR. You've got... It's like, yeah, when's it going to stop? So, Yeah, it can, well, that's, I think, an example of a certain way of thinking of evolution. Like, we all have kind of our own version of it and what we think of it. And a lot of people are still squeamish to the word. A more advanced itself. decline does not mean evolve, though, you know? Right. Just because you're going down the hill faster towards the end? Well, it used to be an objective term, and yeah. now it's such a purely subjective term that yeah. science has... Just like truth or woman. Even, even science has given itself the privilege of overanalyzing this word to the point where, oh no, it only means by chance. Hmm. Things just happen by chance and evolution is simply a sort of energetic progression that occurs that basically collapses the wave function of possibilities that are all in chaos. It brings it from chaos to order and all of that's by chance. All which, that's basically... Which is maybe why they're trying to uh, impress and upon and convince people that the yeah that the universe is actually like 27 billion years older than they thought like to allow for 
you know, explanation of things they can't explain otherwise. Or maybe it is. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, it's a way of kind of like, it's the merelyistic way of explaining things. It's kind of a half-ass, like, lazy version of like, no, you can't just write things off to just genes and their and their propagations. Like, it, and and what would be implied as just random mutation. Like, you can't just call it that because that's so not satisfying. Like, a much more satisfying story is the idea that how why is there even the the ability to the will to even ask the question, "Who am I and where did I come from?" Like, there is such a majesty and a precious. Uh, cognitive gift and process that goes on when the moment that we check in with ourselves and really question our motives, our decisions, how we got here, because until we do that, there's only two roads, according to the Hopi Nation, off a cliff or into areas of more abundance, more uh, gratitude, more uh, sustenance. There's only two paths. And like this AI movement, the ones and zeros of the world, those formulas, it's just that. It's just these two paths happening simultaneously. And the moment we check in and make those decisions, the moment we've changed our trajectory. Now, the question is, are we changing it towards the more gratitude, the more abundance, the more sustenance and all of that? The moment we realize that we don't have to make like inherently the decisions already made up. Once we just come back to that, that sense that, wait, I appreciate everything in my life. Like, and here's why no, or we're, without we're, even realizing. No, we're going towards more destruction, no more abundance. No, like, which because, is that path to nowhere. I mean, the Hopi nation in all of its, uh, in all of its wisdom, they never talked about, you know, Amazon fulfillment centers. They talked about, you know, the ingredients for succotash, you know, like, and how to live underground if you need to in case there's 2,000 years of, you know, just no ozone layer and sun-scorching fucking death on the surface, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's the kind of stuff they talk about. Yeah, because they're the amp people. In a way, it's honest that, yeah, that these are forces that are well beyond our control to some degree. So, what am I going to do about it in the moment? But at least that's how I try to interpret it. As long as you allow yourself space, I mean, you're considering it. You're you're thinking about it. You've got, you know, the time to think about it wherever you find that time i don't know that's that's up to everybody as an individual but it's like there are things to take into consideration you know as far as if you want to be an upright quote unquote conscious human being like there's certain things to take into consideration and most people upright today aren't doing that. They're letting their phones do it for them. Mm. You know, they're letting their job or their, you know, prior obligations do it for them. It's like, they, they 
either aren't offering themselves the mental flexibility to be able to do it all, or they just don't have it, or, you know, it, I don't know. I, yeah, because it really does take some work to have the awareness to just kind of stop it, be, stop being an autopilot all the time. And yeah. really, really know yeah, when it's, it's hard right to and make it a sucks, yeah. but it's it 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 really is a choice. <laughs> Absolutely, at the end of the day, I agree. Yeah, it and, is a choice, and it sucks. I'd love to go back and autopilot. It's it's just like, yeah, man, yeah, never mind. Yeah, because it's so cozy there. Yeah, it's like like being in the womb versus being in the world. You it's know, also of like, course you'd rather be in the womb everything was there for you, including like, Mm -hmm. I mean, air conditioning, food, water, entertainment. Mm -hmm. We're so overprivileged and insulated as a society that it's almost like this is just where the pendulum is right now. You know, like, again, those two paths going, and when I talk about the Hopi Nation, I'm only really mostly referring to those ancient, and famous um engraved like uh impressions in stone that one tells a story of one path the other tells a story of the other and that dichotomy that duality between the two like bill hicks said it best you know um that the world is just a ride and along the along the way it's really just comes down to a choice between fear and love. Uh, now that's a way of kind of oversimplifying it, and it is what he meant, but it was, it's, and it's just, the thing is, is it's easier said than done. Um, one of the examples that I have is like, just an every, as an everyday guy, married guy, one to the next, you know, have a family, have, don't have kids, but I have an extended family. I have a, very dynamic internal family um and i have a lot of friends with that too i'm blessed to have all those things but with it comes great responsibility for myself my actions my words my demeanor my attitude all kinds of things that play a role and when i fuck it up i should know better right i should know better i should know these things because i've been through not just the trainings and the you know hardcore emphasis on skill building and tool techniques and so on and so forth. Things like, you know, asking myself, what's the most appropriate attitude for the situation? I should know this, right? uh, The heart already has the answer. In fact, the moment that I ask the question is when I, is that checking in that choice point, that set point. So if, unless I ask the question though, I'm in autopilot. So I have to ask the question at some point. In order for that answer to be sort of predetermined and revealed, right? Um, it already is resolved. As long as I have the fortitude and the grace to keep it fresh in mind, I think. But in your mind, you have to press that button that asks that question. Yeah, exactly. Real life! <laughs> that was way too loud. My bad. I thought it was beautiful. I was trying to actually look something up with like speaks directly to this conversation. It's a really powerful one, I think. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, 
from the movie Gremlins? Ah, the Mogwai. The Mogwai. Yeah, the end. You're not ready for the Mogwai. (laughs) Not to give, give the ending away by any means, but the guy, the... The merchant who, you know, quote unquote, sold him. Here, I got you, bro. Thank you. A towel or something like that. I don't remember his name, but the person who had the mugwai that was essentially, you know, <laughs> uh, like the old pawn shop dealer. So yeah, sold out from underneath yeah. him without realizing it, of course. Um, comes back to their home, track them down, somehow by foot, apparently, uh, implicitly. He's a ninja. Towards the end. <laughs> yeah. The ninja dude with the one eye. Ah, my why. Yeah. And he, it's beautiful. Uh, and here, I'll just roll it out here. Oh, no. There was, I believe, a box. Oh. Bang you up. I warned you, with Mokwai comes much responsibility, but you didn't listen. And you see what happens. I I didn't mean it. You do with Mokwai what your society has done with all of nature's gifts. You do not understand. You are not ready. Nice fade out, too, by the way, there. Uh, Yeah, no. I totally know which guy you're talking about I'm sparing us the uh, weepy... Uh, part at the end where the Mogwai says bye to Billy. That's the, uh, believe that's the same guy that played the grandfather from Three Ninjas. His voice does sound familiar. Yeah. You got the you got the one squinty eye. Like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And sure I don't I don't mean to be stereotypical either, but uh, always a classic um, for me. I I grew up with this film. Uh, my brother was actually semi obsessed with it for whatever reason. Oh, I said a lot of it was the grim, the gremlin. Eye, not, oh, is that why you said stereotypical? I said one squinty no, eye, no, no, not no. two. No, I, I didn't mean even stereotypical in the sense of the eye thing. Just in the in the you know the race thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Oh, that you too? son of a bitch! I am. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. He, he's Asian, but he also has like one kind of like dead kind of squinty eye squintier than the other one you know like nothing fuck you people i'm just teasing i it's uh i forgot how good that movie is though like when i watch no 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 gremlins i'm still stuck on the gremlin thing um because one thing that was interesting to me with the gremlins the actual gremlins the fucking monsters who wreaked havoc the little fucking crazy creatures yeah the the dirty ones all they wanted to do was just have a good time and fuck with people like it was just fucking with people and it was usually fucking up with their electronics and so i'm like what the fuck like what is that because that is even given like especially given that last remark about humanity not being ready for nature's gifts because we just abuse them 
in the end, we're irresponsible and we're uh, pretentiously conceited. So it's like, how are we at all going to be worthy unless we fucking wake up and know that life has rules? And if you ignore those rules, shit goes sideways every time. And I'm not talking about arbitrary political societal rules. No, I'm talking about rules that nature, that we already know. The rules of the universe. Yeah, that we already know, but we do not bother to ask ourselves truly using our heart's wisdom because our heart already knows the fucking answer. We just don't care to ask our heart. That's that's my that's my closer for today. Sorry, I'm going mean, to take every, it down the dark road. Every there. other animal on this planet knows those rules. You know, fuck around and find out. That's basically like the first one. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, we're we're really the only species that we're just willing to push it against each other. No less. It's not like we have, you know, the other thing that you know, differs us from every other animal is every other animal has at least one natural predator. Like, we do not. Like, learn your rules. You better learn your rules. If you don't, you'll be eaten in your sleep. <laughs> that was it. That What's was that it. From? <laughs> Dwight True from The Office. Oh, Sorry wow. about that, though. I didn't, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. If you don't, You'll be eaten in your sleep. <laughs> all right. Brilliant. Any other last remarks before we before we get out of here? Uh, all right. Uh, words of wisdom, I guess. Yeah, sure. Whatever you want. It's okay to wipe back to front. You just don't start back to front. You finish that way. And I'm not talking girl. Well, girls never that way, but guys, it's okay every once in a while. But yeah, that's why that's why God gave us the longer runway of a taint. So yeah, I think that's it for me. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Um, feel free to comment, like, share, subscribe, all that good jazz. Um, we know you guys got a lot of options out there. Always appreciate you guys sticking around and um, listening to us and keep your head held high, head on a swivel, and don't out forget of your to, asses. Out of the asses. Yes. Um, and yeah, uh, don't forget to ask your heart those very uh, important questions in your life. That's it for now. All right, Eo, sir. All right. Take it easy, sir. Love you. You too, buddy. <laughs>